everybody. Welcome to Dead Cat. This is Tom here, joined by Eric and our guest, Kirsten Grind of The Wall Street Journal. Kirsten has been behind a number of very big stories in the business and gaming and tech world about Activision, first detailing the cultural problems that the company had had related to a culture of sexual harassment uh, and ultimately proving that its CEO, Bobby Kotick, was very aware of it and did not inform the board uh, of the cultural problems. And we've complained on this podcast that that story was amazing, but wasn't at, we thought it should be even more seismic, but given, you know, the gaming industry was a little bit, wasn't, you know, it wasn't as if it was like an Apple or something, but then thankfully we have the Microsoft acquisition, which is like really put this, the Activision story, um, at the center of culture right now. So it's, it's an interesting, anyway, sorry to interrupt, but I just thought it was interesting that we'd sort of been like this huge story. Well, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a good point because yes, it was a huge story. You know, we were, I was fixated on it because I was one, you know, the details within it were just so unbelievable uh, in a good way, but also the fact that it wasn't, you know, it's like if this were an Apple, if this were a Facebook, and we were talking about this level of dysfunction that connected to the CEO, I thought it would have been a way bigger story. So it's a lot to cover here. Uh, first of all, thanks for thanks for joining us, Kirsten. Nice to meet you. We hadn't met before this. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, haven't met you guys, but happy to be here. So um, I guess, you know, before we started recording, we were kind of talking about how you even came to be on the story because you were not a video games reporter you're, you know, not even really a tech reporter on a, in your day-to-day basis, but you kind of, you're like a secret agent that gets called in to like, <laughs> you know, handle the big stuff. So what was your first like introduction to Activision and this piece that you, you know, ended up, you know, helping to break? Yeah, that's funny you say, you make that comparison because I often think of my editor as my handler. <laughs> he is actually the one that um, will often say, oh my gosh, I think we need to go bigger on right. this. And that's exactly how I ended up at Activision. Yeah, Kirsten doesn't get out of bed unless she's got at least a chance at a lobe. <laughs> Don't waste your time. No, not true. Not, not true. that kind of handler. Okay, okay. <laughs> but... Yeah, um, I just want to get one thing out of the way early, which is that I don't play video games, and yeah. I had to. Um, Eric and really... I do, so we can we can handle that part of this. Okay, show. good. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely one of the challenges of my job is I parachute into areas that I don't know a lot about. So I I certainly realized how popular Activision games were, but. I can't say I play um, World of Warcraft, unfortunately. There was a lawsuit or what was the entry point to the Activision story? So um, last last July, um, I actually happened to be on book leave and the um, state regulators in California filed this very unusual lawsuit against Activision. And it was salacious, the details, you know, it described this really awful frat boy culture at Activision, which is based, by the way, in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. And it it talked about all this gender pay disparity and sexual harassment allegations. And it just kind of blew up. And employees were so upset, they staged a walkout. Um, They were upset with how the company kind of messaged around the lawsuit, basically like tossing it aside, right? Like these are untrue allegations, all of this stuff. A couple months later, so in September, it would come out that the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission 
also had been investigating for a couple years, Yikes. but hadn't made it public. But they were investigating much of the same stuff, like um, all these sexual harassment and assault allegations, and and also um, were looking into it. So it just kind of, that is the moment when we were sort of like, what is going on here? And I remember my editor said to me, you know, we should really look at like what the CEO, he's this the most highly paid CEO Bobby in Kotick. America, yeah. Bobby Kotick. Famously, you know, crazy compensation, even at CEO levels. Definitely. Had had built the company, had been there more than 30 years. Like, what did he know about this? Like, how did he handle this situation? And that kind of sparked the whole thing for us. Right. Because that is always the question with these workplace culture. <laughs> yes. You know, the, the thing about these stories is you sort of know going into it at some level, of course, the CEO, rarely is there a case where the CEO doesn't know something, I think. Right. But it's all about the details, right? And that's what's really hard to nail down. It's really hard to figure out exactly what was happening, especially when a boardroom is involved, I find. Um, so it was not easy reporting, for sure. Did you go into it with the assumption that these were acts and a culture that Bobby knew about? I, I mean, you always kind of have to go into reporting with some sort of assumption. Maybe it isn't proved out by it. But like, what was your gut instinct as you began talking to people? So I, I totally agree with you on that. I do have to say, again, going back to how I parachute into things, I truly knew really nothing about Bobby Kotick. Mm -hmm. And so I actually had no assumptions. Um, I remember, however, early on, I did sort of start to think he must have known because people were describing his management style as knowing definitely everything that's going on across his company, even though... Command and controls, right. Yes, even though there's about 10,000 employees at Activision and all these different studios and units, and he he definitely was not managing the culture of each of those units, but he knew, you know, what was going on there. And so I, I pretty early on um, started to think, yeah, he probably knew. And I, I also pulled in, oh my gosh... We have this great reporter from the LA Times. He's now an editor, Ben Fritz. But he mm -hmm. and our video games reporter, Sarah Needleman, we were all working on this for sure. So, so yeah. obviously, you know, it's a very Wall Street Journal mm -hmm. story in that you get to a new paragraph and there's some new, very specific damning <laughs> investigation. And But like in the broadest strokes, like, you know, it feels like, okay, this is a company that had a huge alcohol culture that caused a lot of problems was, mm -hmm. you know— the CEO is sort of helping people either slide out quietly without making a big deal about sexual harassment allegations. This was an angry CEO who, with like his own assistants, had allegations that he mm -hmm. was mistreating them and had a sexual harassment allegation tied to him too. And then there's the whole board level to it. So I, I've sort of given my effort, but how would you like sum up the story? Because there are so many pieces to it. Like what's the the central hub of of the issue at Activision. Well, I think one of the uh, one of the main issues that we were kind of showing there was that he was part of the issue, right? He knew, and it wasn't telling the board, right? Um, we also have 
you know, details in there about, yes, him threatening his assistant in a voicemail to have her killed. You know, when he was trying to clean house after that July lawsuit, he made a bunch of changes right at the top. He put in a female executive, this woman, Jen O'Neill. Yeah, I thought that was one of the most damning parts. Yeah, and she immediately was like, well, he's part of the problem in this internal email, (laughs) right? She's the top female executive, right? She leads... Blizzard, co-leads yes. Blizzard, and then she yes. is doesn't believe in the company anymore either. Exactly. And so she points to this incident going back to 2007, um, basically saying, well, he went to this party with um, scantily clad women. Just, just an indication of he was allowing this culture. So, I mean, that's what we were kind of saying in the story. And, and I should, of course, say that the company called our reporting misleading. We interviewed Bobby Kotick for the story. He said he was transparent with the board. Um, the board has stuck by him every inch of this way. The board part is funny. I mean, obviously, it's all very bleak. <laughs> yes. But if I were on the board, I, you know, hopefully I would be a good board member. But on some level, it's like, yes, thank you for not telling me about these terrible things that would have implicated me. I mean, there's always a cop. <laughs> I mean, just like in terms of like... That's an interesting like, way to look at it. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah. Governance <laughs> of companies, you know, like so many longtime CEOs like Bobby mm-hmm. Kotick, like put in people who are super loyal to them. I don't know the Activision board specifically, but, um, I, you know, I've done, I did a story on Elon Musk allegedly like shoving uh, one of his employees and the board like investigated it. And that's another sort of loyalist board. So I'm, I'm just very attuned to how these, the stories with the board, because we have, I think you have this idea that like a board, they're responsible, but like, I don't know. I, what, what do you think's the significance of him keeping it from the board? Like, do you think he would have been removed if the board would have been there? Or I'm, I'm curious why you chose to focus on the board part of the story. Yeah, well, I think because, um, and we also kind of make the point he didn't make things public either, right? Like the EEOC probe, for example. That's something that other companies may have chosen to Could release be material, in their securities right. filing, Right. But the board is an interesting one. I've thought a lot about this, and we've written about this too. I mean, and shareholders have been complaining about this. I mean, listen, this is a board that many of them have known Bobby for a long time. The chairman has been there over 20 years. The independent, quote unquote, director has been there over 20 years. Um, And this is something that like shareholders were complaining about too, for sure. So one of the reasons we focused on the board is because we wanted to show what action Bobby had taken. And that is like one of the number one things that he should have done is inform the board, right? Now, the question of, you know, what the board should have done or whether they were truly independent, I, I think that's still playing out, right? Um, I think I think they're still going to get scrutiny, for sure. What's interesting to me about this particular story, especially as it ends up in, in the sale to Microsoft, which we can talk about in a second, is the fact that Activision, the business is doing well. Yes, They are minting exactly. money. I mean, they are, I think, maybe below EA and Tencent, and I, I don't know how you want to categorize the gaming industry, like one of the largest gaming companies, their games maybe are slightly cooling off their, their major titles, but they're still enormously profitable. And, you know, like, Eric, you covered Uber through its non-public, but, you know, like it wasn't a public company yet, but, you know, th- that business also had issues, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, there were lots of questions about its losses and you could sort of see business problems really cropping up. Totally. Everything- there was an argument that 
at the time that the scandals at Uber only sort of dislodged Kalanick because there were business problems. So the board right. had an incentive to say, maybe we should mm-hmm. change leadership. And Activision in some ways is the counter or proves the point, which is that even if there are lots of scandals, but if you have a very profitable company, you know, a board's happy to keep the CEO in place. Exactly. And it's funny, like, let's go back to that alcohol issue at Activision, right? I mean, this is kind of case in point with that. At one point, we we had heard about how some people didn't want alcohol in the office, right? But they wanted to keep it because some of the game designers and developers really thought it helped them build these games. And so you can see, I mean, honestly, like at an executive level, you just want the games, right? Like you just, you, and so this was a truly a debate. Um, A lot of people would say to me, I just don't understand why they're allowing alcohol in the office. And it's because it was producing amazing product, you know? Right. But, but so, so the argument went, I mean, like, look, this same exact issue played out a couple of years earlier in Hollywood, in, in that side of the entertainment industry, when finally enough people decided, yeah, the casting couch, the sexual harassment, the usage of power in order to cast favored people into roles is actually not an essential part of making TV shows yeah. and movies. It actually <laughs> yes. is just textbook harassment. Exactly. And you can clean these things up. So there is, I mean, maybe just, again, bringing back to this idea that gaming has not entered the mainstream in the same way that other things have. It was allowed to happen for a couple more years in mm-hmm. the gaming world when it's essentially the same issue, right? It's people claiming cultural necessities of, you know, mistreatment of people when in fact it's just straight up immoral. That's exactly right. Yeah, I agree. Oh, okay. Katie just dropped in. Now Katie was uh, working on a piece, uh, but she is now in the convo with Kirsten. I know Katie and Eric and I, before you were joining, like in the days leading up to this, we, we kept going on and on about Bobby as a as a character and we definitely wanted to i know we've talked about him already a bit but i mean katie you had a lot of thoughts about bobby (laughs) some some not expressible on this podcast (laughs) right (laughs) well what's interesting to him about me is that he's kind of a celebrity ceo right i mean it's you know, he he's he someone... dated Sheryl Sandberg. He was always very out there. He loved being at conferences. He wanted everybody to know who he was. So, I mean, I guess one of the things we would love to know is what was it like, one, just to report on him, especially somebody who had loved the media so much. Mm-hmm. And did any part of his response to the allegations that were happening in his own company surprise you? That's a really good question. So Katie, I was telling these guys earlier, um, I jump into stories. So I actually did not know that much about Bobby ahead of time, but quickly realized, yes, he is a celebrity, clearly. Although I would kind of argue he's like an understated celebrity. Like he's not like, obviously, I think he wants to be, but maybe not as well known as someone at one of the other big He's not Mark companies. Zuckerberg. Yeah. He's like, he's he's like a Mark B-list Zuckerberg. celebrity CEO. But he's friends with lots like of A-list. Maybe A-minus? I don't know. Yeah. He's He's buddies with, um, uh, 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 what's his name? Like Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots. Um, yes. Everyone in Hollywood knows him. A real good crowd. Him. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> what's he like in an, like, is he, does he have a reality distortion field? Or are you at least like, wow, I can see why this guy runs the show it's such a performance or what's he I I could see that you know I I finally got to interview him um and I 
to be honest, found him to be very charismatic and like clearly knew his, clearly is a brilliant businessman. Um, That much is clear. I just think that he maybe lost sight for sure of the culture that was going on at his own company. So, um, which we've reported on. Yeah. The culture, obviously terrible in that story is so everybody should go read it is so thorough it's hard uh, you tie so much to him in ways that would be impossible for most companies the the one thing i want to be and you're I, I don't think you've made this a big issue but in the culture and we've sort of referenced it the the compensation piece of it like the complaint that he makes so much money i'm curious i mean he basically built the company from like nothing right he bought it with some yes. partners out of bankruptcy I mean, isn't some piece of his, like, enormous compensation just tied to how much the company, like, lives or dies by this one yeah. guy who sort of willed it into being? I don't feel like, hmm, uh, complaint. That's an interesting way to I'm say I'm not saying it. you're complaining. Yeah. I, I definitely see this, a lot of people in the gaming world, I think, complain about. Complain, like, yeah. Right. So the funny thing about that, well, funny maybe is not the right word, but um, as you can imagine, our process for getting comment is extensive and scrupulous at the journal. So these guys had quite a long time to respond. And so in between that area, after we went to them with a lot of questions, he told employees he was going to cut his salary. So now he is going to make $62,000. So... Well, barely it's scraping no by. Longer. Right. Yes. <laughs> I, I would say with him, though, you know, in the story that you guys wrote, you know, detailing the acquisition, which I want to talk about in a sec, um, I think you said that, you know, and it's expected that he will leave the company after like a year at, or after the deal with Microsoft closes. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, you know, if he were to sell all of his shares, you know, the amount that he owns, he, he's worth $400 million, which my first instinct was like, well, that's not that much, actually. No, it's not that much. You know, I... I have to say we're still like trying to wrap our heads around that. I'm trying to look into that because I think my suspicion without knowing is that it's probably more. Um, But I I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. But he got something much bigger out of that deal than money, which is that he got to exit a very bad situation for him and look amazing. Right. 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 How did he manage to get that deal? And what do you think? Like, how did... Why was that deal given to him? How, how did the board see it? Why does it benefit the company? Well, I I actually think it's a really beneficial deal, to be honest. It, with all the crap, um, to put it nicely, they are they have been dealing with. Um, so, as we kind of reported, like the deal came about. So we our story came out like mid November. There was a huge outcry among employees, shareholders. Like they were under. So much pressure. How much did the stock drop? Total, it had been down about 30% since the July lawsuit. I believe after our story ran, it dropped like 20% in two weeks or something. Wow. And employees were calling for him to resign, like 20, 19% of employees or something. There was a walkout. Analysts were calling for him to step down. Shareholders, I mean, it was just like... he was in a terrible position. And Microsoft had been interested in Activision before, but Bobby is an acquirer. He is not someone that sells, right? And I cannot overstate enough how much Activision was like his, is like his, his child. Like this is a company that he grew. He loves this company. He's been at the helm over 30 years. 
But like he was in this situation. And as we reported, like board members, they, you know, had always supported him and they continued to support him publicly, but they were starting to get a little anxious too, right? And Microsoft comes in with an offer and it's a good offer, right? Well, the, the offer is basically 45% above the current stock price. But in an acquisition, you're always going to give- But the stock price so, is right, down. Exactly. Right, exactly. Right. So yes, it's like, of course you have to give above the current price, but you know you're buying a company that's sort of artificially de de depressed. Where yes. it's like depressed in its current situation, but to an acquirer, if you can get yes. rid of the perception that they're bad actors and move on and apologize yes. and say that was the old guys, then it's a valuable company to you because it doesn't have sort of those old problems. So you can exactly. see why it's a wonderful acquisition. Absolutely. But the funny thing about Microsoft as the acquirer is that they were also part of the reason that the stock was depressed because, <laughs> yes, because as they came out and right. said, like, what the hell? <laughs> right, right. Right. And they yes. make, you know, a major console that Activision sells games for. And they told Activision, like, you guys better shape up because if you don't, like, we may consider taking action. And that's like, I'm sure investors were like, well, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. And yeah. they weren't the only ones. I mean, Sony said that, too. And recently, Lego said that. <laughs> Well, Lego, you know, um, they're real, so they're real they were moralists over business. at Lego. I wouldn't take what they say seriously. <laughs> but they were definitely getting business partner pressure right. for sure. So, but the funny thing about the sale is that there are sort of two narratives right now. One that the company is trying to sell and the one that you guys are probably accurately reporting. That's my opinion. And and Activision's line, like I saw Bobby giving a couple interviews to you guys and Adventure Beat is basically saying it's tough out here. You know, there are these trillion dollar companies and they have the AI and we don't have the AI and you need to have that and the machine learnings and the engineers. And, you know, I mean, listen, just when you see that, just keep reminding yourself how much Bobby loved this company. Right. And there was Microsoft had been in before. Right. And he never wanted to sell to them. Right. So that we Seen that storyline, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just like the assessment on Microsoft. Like, on some way, they're, they're like, opportunistic here. There's been, like, just as they were criticizing Activision, they were talking through the deal. Uh, I don't know if I have an objection to that necessarily. Like, as long as Microsoft does clean it up, I, I don't know if I care that they play gamesmanship. I don't know. Do you have a point of view on, sort of, Microsoft as, like, an actor here and whether they... There's anything wrong with them sort of criticizing the company as they're trying to buy it? Or I don't know if you have a view or you've talked to people with strong points of view. Huh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I have a strong point of view, but I do think it. I mean, Microsoft was pretty smart here. I mean, 100%. You know, this is a great deal for them, I think. Um, one thing that I that we haven't really touched on that I still have at the back of my head is, I mean, they still are facing Activision is regulatory investigations, right? I mean, the Securities and Exchange Commission, that just happened in the fall. The state regulators, the California state regulators, I mean, that does, clearly does not seem to be ending anytime soon. And they tried to come to a deal with the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, last fall. Still hasn't been approved. So, I mean, this is all stuff that Microsoft, I suppose, is going to have to, you know, deal with, right? 
but they can deal with it. That that I'm sure they thought about that. Right? <laughs> All they have to do is Google it, right? Kirsten, do you think that the Microsoft deal and making the deal is does Microsoft have a better chance of coming to settlements with these regulators because they can say we're coming in from the outside, we will bring accountability, we will bring in, you know, whether it's an outside law firm to do a full investigation, whatever it is that they could more credibly make a promise. Like, how do you think Microsoft's um, acquisition could impact these investigations? Yeah, that's a really good question. I um, I wish I knew more about that, but I, I sort of think the deal definitely does help them. And one aspect of, of it that probably helps at least, and this is, I just want to be clear, speculation. Um, with Bobby, the SEC clearly seems to be after what Bobby and other executives knew about these cases. And so Bobby not staying after the acquisition, I mean, I can't imagine that's not a point Microsoft is is going to turn to, right? And also, just to be clear, like this acquisition, you know, if it closes, knock on wood, it's going to be like a year, over a year. Like it's still going to be those guys Dealing with they, they told employees, Activision told employees 2023 basically, yes. until they think this all, yes. And I mean, the, whatever hurdles they may face from antitrust regulators, whatever. My point being, Activision's still going to be dealing with these investigations in the meantime, right? It's not really going to be Microsoft for a while, I think, right? So and Kodak is not meant to stay at Microsoft at this point, is the conclusion, no. or right? No, no, no. He is not someone who would work for someone else. No. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if you guys read that Microsoft press release. I mean, I re- when the acquisition first came out, I no. read it. I must admit it was early in the morning. I had not had my coffee yet. But it clearly to me said he was staying. But if you look at the wording, we point this out in one of our stories. It's very like... um wishy-washy, I'll say, about what is actually happening to him after mm. the deal closes. The line that companies always use with that is is staying on as an advisor. Yeah, but they didn't even say that. They didn't that. even say that? They, they definitely... We don't even want your um, advice, You guys Bobby. should go back and look. <laughs> <laughs> no, they definitely, like... When you look at it, it looks like he's going to be an employee of Phil Spencer's and Microsoft. Right. Uh. Like he's going to report to him. Um, when clearly that's not the well, case. Well, if, if there's anything I feel like I've learned about this deal deal stuff, it's like, sure, they'll negotiate the actual, like, control, which is, like, we get to decide whether you stay. And then as part of the negotiation, they'll negotiate the language, which is, like, irrelevant when you give someone else the control. So then the language is often just, like, meaningless relative to the actual decision. Well, the, it's not irrelevant to the people who they're talking about. <laughs> right, that's all they, they care about. They, they right. run on, they get to feel like they won on language, even though the next day all the stories say the opposite because, like, the leaks came out. That's exactly yes. right. right. Yes. yes, exactly right. Well, the same thing happened, if you guys remember, uh, crazy summer of 2020 when TikTok was going to be selling to oh Microsoft. My gosh, oh, that's yes. right. Oh that my was gosh. my favorite fake story <laughs> after Amazon's, that. like, yeah. aqua- or what was it, Amazon's, like, office space? That was my favorite one after that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And how after... After the election, everybody at Sequoia was like, well, I guess that's not happening anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a weird summer. 
we all <laughs> I guess we don't have to pretend so to do that anymore. Weird. Yeah, but yes. but part of in I I had to write some of those stories, and part of the craziest uh, aspect when that deal, I mean, like until the eleventh hour, felt like it was going to go through, was that Kevin Mayer, who was this Disney executive that had hopped over to become the CEO of TikTok, which was always an ill-fated uh, uh, marriage. <laughs> um, was like, well, this guy would never work for Microsoft. This guy right. wants to be a CEO. He left to become the CEO of TikTok, not like, you know, three runks below Satya Nadella. So, yeah, these no. guys can't, they can't stomach that at all. It Unless always... Bobby is like going to run Microsoft, like he's not just going to run a division or like deputy like games officer. I don't know yeah. what they call no. it there. No. That's not that's not gonna look good on Raya. He can't do that. <laughs> I, I, I'm skeptical this gets uh derailed by antitrust regulators. I, I feel like it's an important story everybody's talking about it. Like what is your You think it will or it won't? Well, I think said. it'll go through. I mean, first yeah. of all, I mean there there's been a lot of reporting saying that you know Microsoft has a good relationship in Washington. They're not yeah. gonna be the largest game company. I mean, right. it is sort of a competitive space uh i, I do yeah. think it's kind of Th- this funny, isn't though. like this isn't like two airlines merging <laughs> right right at the same right. time though like you know bobby going around saying we couldn't hack it because we're only a you know worth you know 60 or 70 billion dollars to microsoft we're not big enough we need trillion dollar companies to run things these days it doesn't exactly inspire confidence in like the health of our business landscape no. right now it's like i understand that's not necessarily well, it seems like but- shameless antitrust positioning just like just like yeah, yeah obviously right after a deal that's going to have antitrust review. If the regulators stop this, I might be able to still run this company. Exactly. Right, yeah, sort of the little poison pill. What's your view on the antitrust sort of situation? At the I mean, this is actually based on very little, but we all sort of thought that Microsoft, I don't know, like it's not, uh, it's not Facebook trying to buy them, right? I mean, could you imagine that deal going through? E- even even if they're not a gaming company, technically. I just feel like Microsoft hasn't been under the same scrutiny as some of the other like big tech players. So it feels like it has a better chance. Um, that said, I mean, clearly they've made anti- antitrust like huge on the agenda in Washington. So, and you know... As as discussed, um, it wouldn't be obviously the same regulators looking into some of these harassment issues, but they know that regulators are looking into the harassment issues. I don't know if that comes into play somehow. Who knows? Um, I, I, I really feel like it could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised either way. I, I just want to make one random point. I'm curious what you guys think. This is the, I have a podcast, so I can make this. But like, <laughs> the I I've always thought that it's, you know, like Apple and Google both control app stores, right? All the gaming revenue that flows through their systems, they get 30%. But Microsoft has never been able to do this on the PC, obviously, because it was born in sort of open internet world. And so Steam has made a fortune selling like video games on the PC where Microsoft has never been able to control the app store. And so I do think there's an interesting... Like, so Microsoft then tries to build a streaming a streaming service, like sort of mm-hmm. Netflix style, mm-hmm. which would give them sort of more control. And I almost like do feel bad for Microsoft. It's like you could be this great gaming monopoly on the PC, but you just were like born too soon when it was okay yeah. <laughs> to extract a rake 
And so you didn't get away with it. Mm-hmm. But if it, you'd been born today, you'd be like taking basically all 30% of all revenue on gaming. So can they just like accumulate enough power that somehow they can like figure out a way uh, to do it? I don't know. Right. I I really don't know about that. I have to <laughs> say. <laughs> it seems like they could. Um I, it's funny about Microsoft, right? I always sort of feel like they don't get as much scrutiny as they should, right? And they're so huge. Do you think that's like the boringness of the company is a real yes. flak jacket yes. for them? 100%. Yes, definitely. It's, I mean, they make enterprise software and cloud computing infrastructure. Right. Mm-hmm. They have not platform Nazis and they, you know, aren't Apple. And, and because of that, but, you know, things like this will at least give them a little bit more public facing image. Saki's yes. also kind of a nice guy, which, you know, seems to do well for him. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think if you were to ask most Americans um who is the CEO of Microsoft, they would think it was oh, Bill they would Gates. Not. Yeah. Yes. You know, right, I mean, right, right. Which is funny for many reasons. <laughs> but but, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go too much into the Microsoft of it, although, you know, their, their argument that they're going to build like a Netflix for games with Activision just seems pretty far fetched. I mean, it's and not sort of a, great now that we've seen Netflix's earnings. It's like, right. maybe you will, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're all into like, you know, destroying value through all you can eat models, um, you know, go look over, you know, a few miles to the east in Hollywood from where Activision's headquarters are to see like what that's done to all those companies. So best of luck to you, Microsoft. I mean, they can afford it because they have an extremely profitable enterprise business. And anyway, that's a uh, that's that's a that's for another day. <laughs> you, for somebody who did not want to go into the Microsoft of it all, that was a really good summation of <laughs> Microsoft. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to go back. I mean, just to the Activision story. Like we we focused really, and we always focus on like the corporate and like the money and the deals. But like, how are, what's the like victim sort of the people who like suffered through the Activision culture? Like, what's their feeling at the moment or like have you been sort of catching up with the most or you're focused on deal reporting at the moment yeah that's a really good question i think a lot of employees well 19 (laughs) percent really wanted bobby to resign right they felt like he should have his walk of shame basically and they didn't get that so i think there is disappointment about that for sure among the employee ranks but I would say most of what I've heard is positive about Microsoft, right? Because, um, so I will say Activision has already been cleaning house quite well since the summer. They have this woman, um, Frances Townsend there, who is um, leading the charge about getting some of these bad actors out. But when they get to Microsoft, eventually, I mean, Microsoft can just like do what it wants. Like, um, this is one case where layoffs might actually not be terrible, right? Um, they can, they can work even more on that workplace culture. So I think it's, you know, they didn't quite get the outcome they wanted, but this isn't a terrible outcome either. I don't think that's my two cents anyway. (laughs) I mean, it seemed like a big complaint or one of the complaints in the Activision story was that these executives, would get to leave with sort of a positive yes. goodbye. And in some oh. ways, Bobby Kotick is also getting that because for Microsoft to get it over the hill, I'm sure they couldn't, Bobby wasn't going to be like, yeah, and you can also like 
shit on me. Say whatever you want about right. me. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you have to say nice things about me. I, I know what Bobby is out there saying, and I know what their storyline is and all of this, but I just know how hard it must have been for him to do this deal. And that is not the outcome he would have chosen even like a few months ago. So I just feel like, you know, it's not the outcome these employees, some of them necessarily wanted, but I don't also believe it's the outcome he necessarily wanted, um, at least in my opinion. So, Do you think there will be um, a lot of turnover in the employee ranks, especially because it, we've just been speaking about the people who wanted change at the company, who were upset with Bobby and wanted him to leave, but there are probably as many, if not more people at the company who liked the way that it was who liked the way that it ran, who did not see problems. So will we see a lot of turnover? Do you think people will stick it out? Totally. I agree with you. And I'm glad you brought that up because for sure there are people that were happy there. I've spoken to many people who, especially within Blizzard, their unit, um, loved working there, loved the way it was run. Um, They were already, because of all this you know, these public problems, same like Facebook, right? They were already in these last six months having trouble keeping talent and losing people. Um, They separately have this unionization effort going on. So I think um, that was already a problem. It might continue to be a problem. It seems like it probably will continue to be a problem, but it was definitely one they were already facing, I think. How much did Activision do to try to stop employees from talking to you guys? I know with Facebook, which you've also reported on, they go through cycles of intense leakage and then, you know, they button things down a bit. Um, I mean, this there was so much you know, like legal action on the state's part that I'm sure maybe freed people up a little bit uh, to talk in certain capacities. But, you know, what did you what sense did you get from people that were key sources for this? Do you mean, sorry, do you mean like getting sources to talk or what the company tried to do to get us not Well, actually the the company mostly. I mean, how much did they, you know, try to put the fear of God into employees from ever speaking to you guys? Yeah. (laughs) We could talk another hour about that, but unfortunately some of that is probably proprietary, but um, they definitely, yeah, I would say Did a lot. discouraged people from talking to us <laughs> very <do> strongly. <laughs> yeah. that, that sounds like the most tip of the iceberg undersold uh, yeah. statement I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was a Slack message they sent. We'd, we'd yeah. kindly request everyone to not speak to the journal as they're destroying our stock value. Wait, wait, I mean, the CEO was a guy who you reported like what threatened to kill allegedly his assistant. Uh, over uh, doing something, uh, read read from that. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think you should just reread that incident. Yeah. To, yeah. Which, by the way, he's he told us through his spokeswoman that he deeply regrets. So I will oh. just put that. I was about to say. So that's the one fact they didn't deny. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a message Murder. internally to employees. Not off the table. <laughs> yeah. So I want to. So you also worked with our friend Deepa uh, on the Cambridge Analytica stories, and so you spent some time in Facebook land, seeing all of the, you know, issues that that company had through that whole period. And Facebook is a company in which, through that whole and ongoing crises, Mark Zuckerberg seems to have come out even stronger. Um, he he was not forced to sell his company. Um, its value has only increased substantially since that time. Uh, what's your take on that? Why, why uh, does one CEO become even more of an emperor and the other one, you know, 
has to walk away worth only $400 million. I I know. This Mark Zuckerberg question, I, I find myself, even though I'm not involved really in Facebook coverage anymore, um, I just, I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, I guess my speculation is that the thing that would really force him to make a change is maybe the advertisers. That's something we haven't really seen yet is the money, you know, right. people voting with the money. Um, it just seems like they go in waves of these scandals. And then a few months later, it's sort of like, did that even happen? You know, it's right. it's crazy. I've just never seen anything like it. It's it's bizarre. Um, and even Cheryl is still there, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> right, Mark has like the the structure of his shares. I think protects him a lot, but Cheryl doesn't have that protection. Right. You did see a lot of people just under her leave, though. So I I was always I always wondered was it because they felt like you know having their former head of like global policy leave and other people like that 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 would satisfy the board, satisfied shareholders, satisfied regulators, mm-hmm. or if it's just because those people were fed up and couldn't just couldn't be there anymore. I did yeah. think that was interesting that at that level you saw the departures. Yeah. I would just be so interested too about the board there. Like are they questioning of what I mean, I just don't know. I really have it's just a fully outside opinion. Well, you, you saw you know uh, Mark just put uh Tony, the CEO of DoorDash on the board, which is I mean, I know Tony. He is a mm-hmm. founder first. <laughs> he definitely is someone who <laughs> believes in like founders running yes. companies. And so you, uh, um, I like Tony, but you know, if you're Mark Zuckerberg and you're looking for someone to put on your board who believes that a founder should continue to control the company, uh, Tony Shu is a uh, good pick. So that was, that was a strong signal to me. No, yeah. he, which he's isn't a tended board member, Eric. right? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's there for the beneficence of the shareholders. I, I don't, I, and so is Drew Houston for that matter. I mean, oh, is Drew also still on the board? <laughs> oh, yeah. the yeah. Dropbox CEO. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, exactly. Okay. These are huh. deep Silicon Valley people who believe in sort of the culture of. Yeah. Who knew that we would look to the gaming industry as like a paragon of independent <laughs> boards? <laughs> Well, one of the really interesting things is, I mean, Activision had not faced basically any scrutiny, really, until that July lawsuit. I mean, not not any serious scrutiny where Facebook, I mean, they've been weathering this kind of bad reporting for how many years now has it been? I mean, so long. They, they've, they've got it down, right? They know how to handle it. Right. Mm-hmm. Where Activision was having to kind of figure it out as they went along, mm-hmm. right? Well, well, yeah, I mean, that sort of raises a question that we've asked on this podcast before. I mean, and, and you're in an interesting position having written about tech, not being a gamer yourself. Like, Hollywood's a huge thing covered by the business press. Tech's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Gaming is now a huge industry, and there are lots of people that play them and are invested in them. What What's your answer for why like Activision wasn't sort of a closely covered company before? Like, what's what's going on with the media and with sort of elite culture that we're not as like usually focused on the games business? Yeah, it's so funny. I I actually asked this question internally at one point and didn't really get a good answer either. Like, I feel like sometimes um, the media just broadly, especially at like these big newspapers, has like, 
I don't want to say gaps in coverage. I mean, we certainly have a very good like video games reporter, but it's not up to her what goes on the front page or what's covered a lot, right? Um, so I just don't know. It's almost like there's coverage areas where it doesn't get attention until there's a scandal. And then it's suddenly like, oh, wait a minute. Like, we should have been covering that more or something like that. And I, I sort of feel like for some reason, video games got into that category. It does feel partially like generational to me. I mean, it's yeah. the big Call of Duty hits are a relatively new phenomenon. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. So it's like, it just feels like, yeah, the masthead level editors don't quite see how big some of these games are. I, I don't, I mean, it, it's also just like how Hollywood, I mean, Tom was, Tom, you, you, you think it's about like, just like cultural impact and like video games. No, I, like, I mean, I, yeah, it's, I, I still think, uh, this is going to go way down like the video gaming route. I'm sure Kirsten <laughs> doesn't want to stick around for that. I, <laughs> no, I, don't worry. Yeah, I do think games are derivative of Hollywood culture. And so, you know, it's easier for people to identify with, um, uh, you know, the the the, up, the more upstream part of the culture than the stuff that's a little bit more derivative downstream, which isn't to say games are fully derivative. It's just that, you know, when you're talking about what people are interested in um, as a broad topic, uh, you know, the movies and TV shows we watch just happens to be more interesting, definitely to editors. But I don't know, Eric, you and I have both been in a situation where we've gotten really, you know, we're both, you're more than me, but gamers and you get into esports and you recognize how big of a deal e-sports that is. Esports is a terrible story. So hard to write about. It. I've <laughs> tried so to write, to write about, about it so many times. Well, it's, it's not a great business. I mean, that's part of the problem. Everybody wants it to. It's be like, like the enterprise software. Yes. Of games. <laughs> yes. yes. Right. And there's yes. so much spin. Is it like does esports exist as marketing? Is it like its own revenue line? Like esports is just. It's like. It's easy for them to sort of shift around what it's even about and like I don't know. It's, yeah. it's do you guys do you guys think it's also like going back to Bobby Kotick's like B minus or A minus celebrity status, whatever we decided that was, like there's not really a celebrity like who are the celebrities in gaming, right? right? Like part of the reason we're all over Facebook is because Mark Zuckerberg and like Sheryl Sandberg are just such interesting like right. you need a characters character. basically. Yeah. Like Twitter, I, I I actually don't think anyone cares about Twitter except the media, but Jack Dorsey <laughs> was like such a cool cover of every like, like, I mean, it was explicit strategy beer. right yeah yeah and so i i just think there hasn't been anyone like that in gaming well also what happens frequently with gaming ceos i actually don't know the status with bobby but a lot of them are not gamers and this is a real point right. of tension in the gaming community when they'll bring up that like oh the ceo of ea not even a gamer <laughs> yes. and a lot of times they have to prove their you know gaming bona fides to like win over an audience but it's um yeah I, I think you know as we're talking what i think also the issue is is that gamers the people that do care about it which is a huge number of people are not necessarily wall street journal readers and new york times <laughs> right. readers they have exactly. their outlets right and they're not interested it's, in the it's business also, story. it's also generational too yeah. so yeah. if you think about the age of the people running newsrooms right now they they grew up at a time when video games were basically atari and nintendo when it was still considered kind of an, a more niche activity to do alongside mm-hmm. playing with dolls or playing with trucks. And I think that as that generation of newsroom leaders starts to phase out and younger people come in, there will be a, sort of a shift in attitude toward whether or not gaming is an important part of like yeah. the, yes. of the business ecosystem. Yes. Uh, well, anyway, 
it was an incredible story, an incredible feat of reporting. And, uh, you know, these stories have results. So good work. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, you guys. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining. Goodbye. Silicon Valley. Goodbye, 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 goodbye.